Julia is here. Those of you with children may go back and meet her and get your Bible bags. The rest of us, let's turn to John chapter 9. We're continuing our study of the Gospel of John, the fourth Gospel, the interpretive Gospel, and we're coming to the ninth chapter. Another amazing event, not quite theologically as significant, but deeply significant in the Christian life. John chapter 9, we're going to start with verse 1 and actually read quite a a lengthy account. It's something you need to read from beginning to end in the account. As you know, over the last few weeks, we've, we've gone with Jesus. And we've been in the night when Nicodemus comes to him. And we were there in the day when the woman at the well met with him. And we were spoken to as Jesus spoke to these people, describing the new life that is necessary to have, the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the heart to beat God's beat, to mind to think God's truth. And then we talked about living water, water that comes directly from God that nourishes us, transforms us, and changes us, sustains us, allows us to live this new life. And today we come to an event that's a rich in meaning in so many levels. Uh, I've taught on this so many times, and I could do uh, at least 50, 60 different sermons on the the lessons that are taught uh, to us. And it's a very rich and and multi-layered story. But one of the things that that caught my heart this week was uh, the word of of a scholar as he was noticing something about the experience of the man And he had spent his entire life with this village. And yet they hadn't really seen him. They didn't really notice him. John writes it this way. He says his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging ask, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, but others said, no, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. The observation this scholar made was this. To be sure, the blind man lived in a community. But it is striking how little his neighbors knew about him or even of him. They saw mostly his condition. It's that phrase that captured my mind all week. These neighbors did not see a human being sitting in there in all the multifaceted, vibrant interest that every human being is. They only saw the blind man. His condition defined him. And we don't know, perhaps it did for he himself. Perhaps he didn't think of himself as a whole human because his condition defined him. But it certainly defined him so much that when he was a sighted man, his neighbors no longer recognized him because he no longer fit the category of his condition. It got me thinking of an observation I read long ago that Madeline LeEngle made in how we see one another. She noted that we tend to see people in one of two ways. She said, we either see them as an icon or we see them as simply an image. An icon, she says, is a mental representation we create about the whole person, their entire self. Uh, their inner beauty, their outward strength, their moral character, their spiritual presence. 
And the more that you know a person, she suggests, the more difficult it is to see them just as an image, but they become a full-formed icon that you could hardly describe the nature of them. In fact, to look at them closely, you're almost surprised at what they look like because you know them so much more deeply than just an image. The other way is, of course, an image, a photograph. You see people only in their most superficial descriptions. We really don't know them. We see them only as the tall man, the short man, the cute man, the black man, the white man, the blind man. You probably remember the story that our missionaries to China uh, shared with us about their son. Their son, you know, was born there and spent his first five years just around only Chinese people. And when they came here to the United States to do their deputation work, he, the little guy asked his dad, he said, Dad, why do all white people look alike? This tendency that we have to make those we don't know superficial beings that all look alike. And we're not even sure if this was the blind man who begged every day from us. This lack of seeing each other is where we want to focus our observations today in this experience of the man born blind. I want you to think about, as we read these words, think about the people in your life. Do you see them? The cashier, the waiter, the neighbor, the blind man. Do you see them in their condition and situation? Or do you see them? And what does it take to see another person? Now, that's only a part of this story. As I said, this is an amazing story. But we're going to focus on that today. As God speaks to you, he might speak to you in different forms out of the story. So let him say to you what he has for you today. So let's go with Jesus to this moment in his ministry. John is writing and he says, Now as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming and when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent, John explains. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? They asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Well, where is this man? They asked. I don't know, he said. 
they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. And now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the eyes the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees who asked him how he had received his sight also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. You could do no work like that on the Sabbath and be a follower of God. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why the parents said, he's of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> then they hurled insults at him. And said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are descendants of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth because he was blind. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. 
keep that open before you. And let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful that you came and lived. And as you lived with the ability for people to see and hear and, and watch, we still are boggled even centuries later to read the accounts, to understand what's happening, to experience those moments. And we recognize that, that we need sight and that it's easy to claim to see when we are very blind. We would ask today that you would speak to each of us in our own place, in our own uh, ability to see, and that you would do whatever work within each of us that you need to do. We open ourselves to you now. We ask that you do your work. And of course, we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting that Jesus both begins and ends this moment of teaching, everything that Jesus did was a teachable moment for us, by noting that blindness comes in a variety of forms and a variety of causes. And it's most dangerous, he explains, when we think we can see, but we are in fact blind. That's the greatest danger. Again, I think of Leingo when she expresses this phenomenon this way. She says, because you're not what I would have you be, I blind myself to who in truth you are. Now this is the whole next step of being unable to see one another. What was just a, a superficial disregard because we saw people only by their external condition now has become a prejudicial disregard in which we blind ourselves to the truth about who we are and who others are and who God is as he works within our lives. The question, of course, that the disciples ask is about sin. Who sinned, they wonder, if blindness, as was taught by the, the, the rabbis, if blindness and all disease is a result of sin, and this man was born blind, then who sinned? Did he sin in the womb? And how could you do that? Did his father sin, his mother sin, and now he's suffering because his mother and father sinned? And Jesus, of course, answers, ne answers neither. And he reinforces that, as we saw at the end of the tale, that it's not because of sin that a person has these uh, physical ailments or disease. Rather, he explains that this is a moment, as it is in your life and in mine, where God can work, where we're open and vulnerable, where we need his help. And so we come to him and we ask for his help. In other words, God is at work to heal our blindnesses in whatever form of blindness we might be experiencing. So when Jesus looked at the man, he saw a man blind from birth. He did not see the blind man defined by his condition. He saw a man blind from birth. He saw a beloved son of parents who were afraid of Pharisees and they were afraid of being thrown out of the synagogue. He saw a man who needed to be willing to have mud in his eyes and be sent 
so he could obediently go to the pool of that name and he could wash out the blindness of his body and mind and soul. And so the man went where he was sent, washed as he was told, and then he was able to see. But as John continues, the man had not yet seen Jesus. He could only refer to him in kind of the third sense, the man they call Jesus. He did not know him. There's a blindness that comes from not yet knowing the one who has come to give us sight in every way we need sight. It's so easy for us to think that our condition somehow keeps us from the ability to be holy, whole before God. And we define ourselves so much by our condition that we separate ourselves from God and from others in an increasing isolation. There's a blindness that comes from not yet knowing the one who gives sight and coming to him. But that soon changed when the Pharisees threw him out of their church and Jesus comes to him in that moment and he sees him and believes in him. He values him. He gives him worth and worships him. Jesus, we're told in the book of Revelation, knocks at the door of every heart. If we will open, he will come in and we will sup with him. Well, we'll see him. We'll have this intimate conversation that happens in a home with him. And if we will open to him, every person will see him. But that leads us then to the last blindness, the Pharisees who still only see the blind man and who blind themselves to who in truth the blind man is, let alone who Jesus really is. This is the blindness that scares me the most. Perhaps it does you as well. These were the good religious people who did not see Jesus and did not see the people in their lives. In my own life, I've seen Jesus. I know him to be a prophet, but much more than a prophet. As the woman at the well described last week, he's the savior of the world. He's my savior. And as Christians who have a wonderful family of God and who gather in love and worship God together in this sacred sanctuary, the safe place of God's presence, it is so important that we not see one another as just people in conditions, in superficial ways in which we define one another but rather see one another as God's amazing children. I pray every day that I'm able to see the people that God brings to me as they truly are, that he'll give me the eyes to see them, not only as they are this moment, but who they are becoming and what they will ultimately be as Christ does his final work in their lives. And they achieve that great completion, the telestoi, it is finished, as Jesus cried out on the cross, is the completion of every human being into who we are ultimately meant to be. I pray that, pray that I see that and I see each person as they will be and as they will be completed in him. I want to see you with the eyes of Christ and I want to see myself with the eyes of Christ. It is true 
that all of us are the man or the woman born blind, born broken, born vulnerable, born in a, in a way that needs rebirth if we're going to truly live and truly experience the wholeness of God. All of us have been disregarded because of our conditions and thrown out of relationships or marriages or churches by those who could not see and could not see who we are. But that's not who Jesus sees and that's not who he allows us to remain. One of the most amazing things about Jesus is that yes, he accepts us just as we are. We don't have to be anything other than just breathing children of, of, of humanity for him to love us. But when we come to him, he doesn't leave us just as we are, this broken, blind, and hurting, and, and mad kind of humanity. He transforms us, and changes us, and gives us a love that transforms uh, our world. And so this morning, as we go to God in prayer, I would encourage each one of us to seek sight. Whatever ways he's spoken to you in this moment, however you have been blind, whatever is causing you not to see others, what is causing you to, to be separated from, allow him to change you.